these women just launched their business. They were ecstatic about it. Right. And um, they went on Oprah and they had been making, you know, maybe they make 15, 20 pies a day. They had over 200,000 orders for wow. pies after the, yeah. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I'm grateful to have Adam Bauer of the Business Exchange. Adam is a business broker. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hey, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. So question number one, what is a business broker? Good question. It's a business broker is essentially someone that you would retain, hire to help sell your business, uh, your your company. There's different specialties within our industry, but you know the, the general framework of a business broker, much like a commercial real estate broker is we're hired and retained to sell the business. Sometimes there's a underlying real estate asset that we're selling as well, but a lot of times we're selling the business. And basically what that is, is you're selling, a lot of times you're selling goodwill. There's usually a, a, a portion of equipment or furniture, fixtures, et cetera, but a majority of a business is goodwill. And it's a, kind of a, uh, an interesting topic of how to value goodwill. Uh, Let's we, go. I know yeah, let's I know we've talked about <laughs> first of all, Adam, I want to ask you, what is goodwill? Like let's let's yeah. break it down to that. Like, what is goodwill? Right. So you've got let's uh let's let's call it a pizza shop, right? Yep. You've got the equipment, you've got the ovens, you've got the counters, you've got the accounts receivable. Yeah. What else yeah. do you have? You have goodwill, and that's the intangible value, right? That you can't touch or feel. Perfect example of like a New England company is legal seafood, right? Okay. They are uh, a large restaurateur, built a great business. They were in business for decades, had a lot of proprietary recipes, a significant brand presence. And it's the goodwill piece is really the brand. And how to value that is a, is a, probably a deeper discussion. But a lot of times it's 90% valued on the financials. Uh, of the company and what that goodwill generates uh, financially as a profit, you know, profit wise for a business. And then there's intellectual property that is sometimes harder to value. So in, in that case, you know, a lot of in the legal seafood case, that was a significant, significant sale of a lot of goodwill. They had a great, great brand presence in, in this area. And that was a uh, significant goodwill deal. Got it. So typically you're looking at 90% financials. You figure out a, a, a factoring of, of what price you would factor that on. But back to goodwill, because it's so intangible. I love it, right? It's it's marketing, it's branding, it's, is it systems and processes? Is it corporate culture? Like what are they yeah. buying? I think all all the above, Mark. That's uh, all goes into that bucket. And again, every business is different. It's hard to kind of put it all into a general bucket of what it actually is. But it's um, uh, it's it's all the above that that you mentioned. It must be really difficult to actually price that because that's subjective at at a certain level, right? 
It is. And a lot of times that goodwill for you could be worth far more than the next person, right? If you're, if there was a, uh, you know, uh, a lawyer down the road that had a business for, you know, 80 years, great, you know, great team, great staff, he's in your backyard, that business to you, if you're scaling is probably worth a lot more than it would be to someone on the North shore, right? Another attorney on the North shore. So I think that's, um, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's a bit subjective from a lending standpoint, the bankers like to like to call it blue sky. There's a, uh, you know, they're always talking about blue sky and, you know, sometimes it's hard to explain to the lenders the value of that. Right. Um, again, it's a lot, a lot of times subjective and a lot of times it's worth more to certain, um, certain uh, buyers than others. So what are some of the tangible things that uh, somebody who's selling their business is, is focusing in on to be most attractive to buyers? You know, I think having right now, I think having good employees is probably the number one benefit uh, in this market, particularly for more of the main street type businesses or, you know, lower middle market businesses. Uh, the employees are everything uh, from a strategic buyer standpoint. Again, if you're, you know, you're an attorney buying another a, a, attorney's office, it's the bodies you're buying, right? The quality of the of the bodies, the quality of the labor in the mix, not solely just the economic benefit. It's going to be a, a lot of a lot of that. The other tangible pieces are, you know, if it's a say it's a landscaping company, if the equipment is good, if it's new, if it's if it's newer trucks, you know, so that that factors into valuation as well. The quality of the actual hard assets and the equipment. And for those of you who are listening to this five years from now, Adam's talking in the summer of 2023, where workforce is really important. Now, Adam, you talk about uh, financing a little bit. And what I want to ask about is those buyers, right? So somebody's sitting on the sideline and they're looking to buy a business. How does that process work? Yeah, good question. Um, I always say, the so there's really three buckets of buyers in any deal. Uh, we were just talking about strategic. So strategic buyer is essentially uh, a, a competitor, someone that's in the space um, of the business that's being sold, that sometimes they will pay a premium to acquire that business to scale. A lot of times it's to eliminate competition. Again, I keep bringing it back to you, Mark. If there's an attorney, um, attorney's office down the road, competitor, that buying his uh, or acquiring his company is probably more valuable to you than it would be uh, in a t law office out in Western Mass. Um, right. So that would be the strategic buyers. We're seeing a lot more um, private equity buyer interest. That would be a, a fund that is created by a conglomerate of investors that go out and buy multiple businesses. A lot of times they're looking for businesses that are bolt-ons to what they already own. And again, we're seeing a lot more activity in that space that used to be just more so for what I would say, you know, lower middle market. Um, but we're seeing them look at, you know, I would say smaller deals um, than traditionally. And the last the last buyers buyer bucket that I would I would say is the, the individual, um, someone who's 
looking for a career change, um, someone who's, you know, essentially buying a job. I'm sick of my corporate job downtown Boston. I want to own a restaurant. I've always wanted to own a bar in Cape Cod. So I'm going to go buy a bar. That would be the uh, the third the third buyer. So let's talk about that third buyer. Um, yeah. They decide they, they're making a move. They're making a life change. Where do they go first and then how do they finance it? Because I think a lot of people have the misconception of, I can't do it. I have to continue to be a W-2. It's safer. Yes, for sure. However, a lot of people, I think, think it's unattainable to make a move like that. So let's go step by yeah. step how that individual buyer would would acquire a new business, a new job, a new life. Yeah, no, great question. Um, So in the old days, there wasn't, you know, pre-internet, there wasn't, um, it was, it was hard, a lot harder to find these deals, hard hard to find good businesses that had, you know, either ownership that was transitioning into, uh, you know, selling for a lifestyle change or retirement. That's really the two drivers of exiting a business. And so, you know, nowadays, a lot of the, um, content is online. I'd say probably 90% of the searches start online or start with contacting a business brokerage firm and talking to a business intermediary to see kind of what's out there. There's the, you know, there's the on-market stuff that you can see kind of on some of the various search engines. And then there's the the off-market uh, deals that are, you know, maybe it's a former client of the business broker that, you know, he may know it's for sale and that that could be an opportunity. Um, so they start, you know, kind of looking online, talking to a business broker. Uh, once they find a deal, the typical process is uh, similar to a real estate transaction where you submit an offer or a letter of intent. You go through a due diligence process, make sure kind of everything checks out and the business is sound. And, you know, that gives you the opportunity to kind of take a deeper dive into the into the financials and really kind of take a look under the hood and make sure it's what you want to get into. Um, and then you go for financing and uh, a lot of these deals are either financed by the seller. If it's a, uh, main street transaction, a lot of deals are, uh, seller financed and a lot of them are also financed co- conventionally through uh, commercial bank and the SBA. Tell us about the SBA. That's another one where I think people feel it might be unattainable for me or, or the, red tape might be too challenging and confusing to get through. Let's talk about partnering with the government a little bit and getting yeah, getting yeah. assistance from them. The SBA is a fantastic program. It's um there's there's a couple different products they offer to help um business owners acquire businesses and or real estate. And you know the purpose of the SBA is to is to drive small business and to continue the growth in America, right? It's a, it's a government subsidized program. The main product that we use on for business acquisitions through the SBA is the SBA 7A loan. Um, and if you're out there looking around, that's something to certainly Google and, and do some homework on. Um, that is the 7A loan is solely for business acquisitions, meaning goodwill. It's for goodwill deals. Those, the structure of those Typically, because you're financing intangible or what I what we talked about before, blue sky, the rates on those loans are typically pretty high. You know, right now they've you know we've seen the highest 
rate increase in you know 50 years. So they're they're higher, much higher than they were a year ago. But capital is still readily available. I mean, it's it's a great program that the the, the government um, is fully behind, and um, there's a lot of great lenders out there that um, that know how to navigate through an SBA 7A loan. And what about the local regionals? Are they lending to the small businesses? You mentioned they're a capital uh, opportunity. Yeah, I, I would say yes and no, right? Um, the What we see, the bigger banks are going to probably shy away from financing the restaurant. It's going to be more of a community bank um, that does that deal. And also there's national lenders that specialize in these 7A products. There's several lenders that this is all they do. Mm -hmm. um, their portfolio is solely these goodwill transactions and they, they really know how to navigate through them. So we use, you know, a lot of times we'll use a bank out of, you know, Atlanta or uh, Florida to finance a, a deal in Massachusetts because they know how to get they know how to navigate through it, whereas maybe the local bank doesn't. Um, so the individual buyer is not going directly to the SBA. They're going through the facilitator of a charter. That's bank. right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the They go to a uh, typically a brick and, you know, brick and mortar bank. And, um, you know, that banker will help them navigate through that process. Got it. Let me ask you this. How did you get involved in business brokering? Or in, if I heard you correctly being a business intermediary. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um um so the 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 quick story was I was in I worked in commercial real estate, worked in the city for a little bit, worked down the cape and um I really found myself kind of enjoying working with the business owner. I found that there wasn't a lot of maybe as 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 many people doing in working in that space. It's a little bit more complex transaction than leasing commercial property. It takes longer. You maybe have to have a little bit more patience uh, in these deals. But I kind of saw a um, a need for it, um, and I truly enjoyed working with these small, you know, these small businesses. I really kind of built a practice on Cape Cod and hospitality. You know, restaurants, hotels, motels. We've become more agnostic over the years. We've had a lot of success in selling manufacturing, specialty contracting, all sorts of service related type businesses. So, you know, again, I, I, that's kind of the trajectory of how I got into it, but it was solely because I, I really, I really enjoyed working with these small businesses. And a lot of business owners don't really know how to go about exiting their business or even that their business might be worth anything. You know, a lot of them think it's just, Hey, I'm going to close the doors and retire. And, and, a lot, sometimes they're leaving, you know, money on the table doing that. Potentially their retirement nest egg, right? Yeah. Yeah. Must exactly. be very purposeful work when you're able to do that. So tell us, tell us about talking about purposeful. Tell us a story of uh, an experience that you had that uh, you're willing to share. Yeah, I would say one of the one of the most unique kind of cooler deals that I, I I worked on it and and that just had a fantastic outcome was on Cape Cod very early in my career I sold a a business called Cape Cod Chicken Cape Cod Chicken was in a small strip mall in Centerville and it was a you know a, a very small business really essentially 
uh, an asset deal, probably one of the smaller businesses I've ever sold. But the buyers of Cape Cod Chicken were these two women who were leaving corporate to follow their dream. I had been working with them for a little while, looking at different opportunities, and they found this. They were kind of uh, at-home cooks. They had made these, they were fantastic bakers. They really made these great pies, and they wanted to start a pie company. So they bought, um, they ended up buying Cape Cod Chicken. They started Centerville Pie Company which in 2008 is kind of when they launched. Eunice Shriver Kennedy passed away and Oprah came to Cape Cod. The two women that started Centerville Pie Company ended up finding where Oprah was staying and they delivered her one of their pies. Oprah loved it. It was, uh, you know, she called them the next day and said, you know, we want to order a bunch more of these. We want to get you on our show. She basically endorsed them. Wow. She had them on, on, and this is, these women just launched their business. They were ecstatic about it. Right. And um, they went on Oprah and they had been making, you know, maybe they make 15, 20 pies a day. They had over 200,000 orders for pies after the, yeah. So it, you know, that it just propelled them. They were able to, they, they kind of were like, uh Oh, like, how do we, how do we pivot on, on this? And then, um, they they actually got involved with Capabilities, which is a um, a nonprofit on the Cape with children have some special needs, and they they had them help them awesome. in their in their commissary, and that's how they kind of scaled out. And it's just kind of history from there. They're in Harry and David now. They're super successful, and it's just a great story, right? I mean, it, it, and that's that's what I love about the business is those success stories and seeing entrepreneurs take that leap of faith and, and, you know, being a part of it, you know, being a small part of it, that's all, you know, I had nothing to do with, with their product or, or anything, but just help them take that leap of faith. It's you're, you're, you're super humble. And I appreciate that. I get that. However, you are owed a tremendous amount of credit for people, right? You're, you're opening their eyes to things. You're peeling back the curtains. You're, showing them that this is possible. So brilliant segue is now somebody has worked with you, either selling their business or buying a new business. And they sit down and they say, you know what, Adam's so humble. I got to I got to put a testimonial together. I got to write something for him. What is the ideal experience of a buyer seller say on that testimonial? They would say, you know, we're honest, ethical, um, you know, I, whenever I meet with clients, I, I say to them, I'll treat your business as if it were my own. Um, mm. I'm not, I'm not, not meeting with you to get a listing. I'm meeting with you to be your partner through this journey of exiting your company. You have to want to work with me and I have to want to work with you. If it's not a good fit, you know, let, let's, let's walk away. But as far as the, you know, the testimonial, I think they would say we're ethical, we're honest. We have, you know, strong local knowledge, a lot of resources in, in a niche type of business. Um, and it is a niche, a niche type of business. And I bet there's a lot more that goes into it when you're helping someone exit, right? Move on, turn the page in their, in their life and, and, and take that next chance, whether they're buying and they're stepping out of their comfort zone or they're selling and they're, this is my life's work, what to do now, which is also another great segue for, Getting out of your comfort zone, Adam Bauer. You know, we've talked about it. Every episode, we ask the same question. We're getting together. 
karaoke's here. You've already done a podcast. You're outside the comfort zone there. Now it's time to sing karaoke. What are you singing, Adam? I think I I wait till uh, I think I wait till the end of the night <laughs> and uh, kind of sit by the sidelines, and then I'm going piano man, Billy Joel. Such um, a brilliant, brilliant call. And I don't know that any, I'm not sure any guest has said that, and I'm not sure I've ever done piano man. But when it comes to karaoke, I've learned the more crowd involvement you can get the better experience it is for everyone, including you, right? So you get that crowd. I could just picture the people with their arms around each other singing along with you. And it makes it so much, so much easier for you. Well, you're a big music, music fan. Let me ask you this. What was your, what was your first concert? First concert. Um, so first concert was actually green day. Oh. When they played, when they played that free show in Boston, I, I was, was there. Yeah, I think it was 1993 or 94, yeah. 93. Yeah. Um, no one knew who Green Day was. They had no idea how popular that band yeah. was. Yeah, and, and that was somewhat kind of early on, obviously, before they had a lot of their hits. But it was uh, it was a little wild. I still uh, can't believe my mom let me go to that. But So know. let me ask you that. I know how old I was when I was there. <laughs> what 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 grade were you in or it was the summer going in so it was right when the college students were coming back it was like the either last weekend in august or the first weekend in september i'll never forget it because i think i, I, was, eighth, I, think I was eighth grade eighth grade yeah your mom let you go and remember they played three songs and pulled the plug yeah because there were so many people there it yeah. was actually frightening i was an adult and the crowd was so packed that it was it was frightening. I won't forget it. It was a life experience, but uh I bet. <laughs> what was the best concert you've ever been to? Oh, best concert. Um oh, that's a good one, Mark. I, I probably got two. I saw um I got to see Bob Dylan at wow. uh, Bentley College, probably in like 97 when he still had his pipes going pretty good that was great he played just a lot of like cool covers that night that was great and you know i'm a big fish guy i'd probably say one of the fish weekend concerts up in maine is probably the one in limestone maine i think it was the great went that was that was pretty pretty fun pretty I memorable three days it. i mean you can't be three days of music right no no you really can't you really if you're a music fan if you're a music fan, most important question of them all, Adam, somebody's thinking about buying a business, someone's thinking about exiting their business. What is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Phone, email, both good. 508-790-4500. Uh, that's Ooh, that's probably it. the best way to get me. Um, and my email is abauer, A-B-A-U-E-R at tbxllc.com. TBXLLC, the business exchange llc that's what that is so folks if you're walking your dog or jogging or you're on the treadmill and you didn't get that number thomas will put it in the show notes so just open up and press right through and give adam a call and strategize with him this guy is a wealth of knowledge i've talked with him at length about what he does hopefully we answered some questions that you had here and, uh, Mark, I, and one, one quick okay. comment there is that I, I I welcome calls early in the process too. Mm. don't wait till it's too late. Right. I 
I don't want to be talking to you when you're, you're, you know, your numbers are going the other way and there's a slew of problems. I really want to be part of the planning process and get to know you and your business. And, you know, you know, it could be three, five years from now that we actually work together, but feel free to reach out and, you know, make an introduction there. And, and, and the process, the ramp up process takes time. Yes. You want to be, you know, you want to be calculated about it, about it. And, you know, that's probably the biggest piece of advice um, in my industry that I try to give to every business owner is just like, just don't wait until it's, you know, if you're thinking about it, get in touch because there's work to do, right? You got to make those exactly. books shine. You got to make 100%. everything shine. I love that. That's Tremendous right. advice. Throw that phone number out at there one more time, Adam. That's 508-790-4500. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your experiences, sharing your stories, sharing your wisdom. It's so vitally important. I think a lot of people are looking out again. We're summer 2023 and they're looking out and wanting to make a change and what better change than making a huge life change and, and, and doing what you're passionate about, right? It's not always about the money people. It's not about the money. It's about doing what you love. And, and I know Adam does what he loves. So thank you, my friend. I'm grateful for you coming on and talking. You bet. Thanks for having me, Mark. Really appreciate it. Folks. This has been another exciting episode of elements of styles. If you learn something, if you thought of somebody, send this to them. If you're thinking about selling or buying a business, reach out to Adam. If you know someone who's been talking about it, send them this so that they understand it more thoroughly and that they can have a conversation and strategize. Until next time, folks, be well. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.